Take your Bibles this morning and go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, a very familiar passage when it comes to this Christmas season. But I trust as we look to God's Word this morning that that which is familiar will not be stale, but will be fresh. So Luke chapter 2, gift-giving is one of the many great things about Christmas. It is, uh, although a time that gets commercialized many times every single year, it is still one of the greatest remembrances of what should happen in every single life spiritually during Christmas. The wonder and awe of a child opening a gift. Paper strips flying everywhere. uh, uh, Tape going everywhere. And then the grand realization that this gift is now theirs. And the thankfulness that comes because of that. That is what should be happening in the life of every single person during Christmas. For the Christian who has unwrapped God's gift of eternal life, for the Christian who has accepted that gift and has that gift of, of their sin forgiven and the assurance of their on their, that they're on their way to heaven, there should be a never-ending awe and thankfulness for what God has done for us. And then for the person who is in our community who doesn't have that assurance but merely hopes so that they will get to heaven one day, Uh, We even heard that yesterday as we were out. Well, I hope so. I hope I'll be in heaven someday. God wants them to see this precious gift. God wants them to, to, to know that this babe in the manger was more than just a baby. He was Christ Jesus the Lord. And that 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 gift, that gift of Christmas, God wants every single person to have. God wants them to experience Christmas through the eyes of a child. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, and we'll begin this morning in verse 1. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And then verse 7, we will take as our main text here this morning. Verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Lord, I pray this morning that this special passage of Scripture, this very detailed passage where you are giving to us the greatest gift of all, Lord, that it would become precious once again, Lord, if it's become stale. Lord, would you help us this morning to see the wonder and the awe of the greatest gift that you've you've given to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The birth of Jesus Christ 
that babe in the manger was God's greatest gift to mankind. And as that day progressed, and two ordinary people that had heard the prophecy of Christ coming, one of those ordinary people hearing that it was going to be her that would carry that precious child into the world. These two people made their way up from Galilee into the city of Bethlehem there, the town of Bethlehem where Christ was to be born. Little did they know that this was going to be an unordinary birth. Little did they know that it was going to happen in the corner of a cattle stall. Little did they know that this birth was going to be unlike any other. The Bible says in verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son. This morning I want to start by focusing on the birth of the Savior. It was almost time. These days had been accomplished. And if you've ever been a mother or been around a mother that has come full term, it is any day now. And I had the privilege of experiencing that uh, just recently here a week ago. It was almost time. As it had been foretold in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, But thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. This was where Jesus was to be born. And that same prophecy, I'm sure, played a huge part even in the wise men coming uh, to see Jesus. But here we find the birth of not just anyone. It was the birth of a Savior. He was the King of Kings. He was Christ Jesus, our Lord. It was a lonely birth. You see, just in the first few words of verse 7, it says, And she brought forth her firstborn son. In a normal birth situation, as you walk in, if you were to walk into any hospital room while a birth is happening, there are normally five to six people on call already uh, for their different jobs, whether it's warming the baby after, after the baby is birthed, whether it's taking a weight, whether it's cutting the cord. All of those different things are happening as a birth is happening. Normally there's maybe family around during a birth. There was none of that. Remember, her family, if they were to associate with this, would be associating with, with what was seen as her getting pregnant before being married. Jesus Christ came into this world in complete humiliation, as it were, as, as Mr. Milligan uh, spoke about just a few moments ago, a very humble birth. This was a lonely birth. She had no family around. There was no real help. The Bible says she brought forth her firstborn son. And I'm sure Joseph wasn't much help either. I know from being a father. But you, you, you see this. Christ came into this world alone. Mary must have thought back to those words of Gabriel. How that, that, that this would be a special child. And I cannot imagine those first few moments 
I don't know what the birth was like, whether it was a painless birth because of different things. I'm not going to go into those details. You can ask Mary when you get to heaven. Uh, but, but as far as the birth, as she looked into the face of that child, knowing what Gabriel had told her, that she would call his name Jesus. She didn't even have to pick out a name. She was to call his name Jesus because he was going to he was going to be the savior of the world. He was going to save his people from their sins. She might have had some encouragement from those several months that she spent with Elizabeth. We don't know, but I'm sure that was an encouraging time. She had no family around to help her. All she had at her disposal was these stinky cows, these stinky horses that were were around and the smell that came from from the uh disposal of 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 those those horses and animals all of that this birth was indeed lonely it was also it wasn't just a lonely birth it was a public birth justin martyr who was a first century historian and philosopher wrote that in in this time of of christ coming into the world their refuge mary and joseph's refuge in bethlehem would have been Uh, surrounded by limestone rock and would have been somewhat of a cave in which uh, used for a a stable that the city sat on, that there was no room in the inn, and this was a stable for horses and a pen for cattle. People would have been coming and going to check on their modes of transportation, making sure that they had feed, giving them feed after a long journey to Bethlehem to be taxed. Here was no privacy, no, no, uh, no dignity. Jesus Christ and his, was, was brought into this world with complete humiliation, complete, complete public birth. And, and little did these people know as they were uh, going through and, and, and uh, feeding their cattle that this was Jesus Christ the Lord. I mean, can you imagine a family who comes into the inn? They they find they get the last room, and uh, and they they're looking through their room, and and the little boy sees a, a frog jumping across the end of the room, and Dad comes in, and and she says, "You'll never you'll never guess what Jimmy just saw. He just saw a toad jump across the room there." He said, and the father says, well, you never, you don't understand what I just saw. I just saw, I heard a, a lady giving birth in the stable. Uh, this, this, was, this was totally, this was out there for everyone to see. And little did they know that this was the Savior of the world. It was a lonely birth. It was a public birth. But it was a divine birth. It was a divine birth. It was impossible without God. God stepped in, and as we talked about much last week, this was God making it very clear to us as humans that we were going to have no part in the gift of him giving himself to us. This birth of Christ in Bethlehem was the most important birth that ever took place in human history. This was completely God's doing. Mary knew that she had not been with any man. Mary knew that this was completely God. Gabriel told her that how these things would come to be just a a chapter earlier in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. Mary had questioned, how is this going to come to be? How, 
I've not been with a man. Verse 35 of chapter 1. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. This was completely of God. It was divine. It was His doing. God was going to make it clear that He was giving to us the greatest gift known to mankind, the birth of a Savior, who is Jesus Christ the Lord. Secondly, I want to look at the bed of the Savior. Look at verse 7 again of chapter 2. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Just a moment ago we sang, Infant holy, infant lowly, for his bed a cattle stall. Oxen lowing, little knowing, Christ the babe is Lord of all. I I can just imagine through the eyes of a child, as as my son looks at the nativity, he he sees and he calls it a yucky stable and some stinky animals. And uh, those stinky animals, the cow and the sheep and and the, the horse and the camel and all of those, those stinky animals, little did they know that this was, was Christ, the Lord of all. And it's not like animals have a soul like we do, but I could just imagine, what, what were the thoughts of those animals? Because animals do think. They do know, know something's going on. But what were they thinking of when their feeding trough was taken for a bed? His bed was... A manger. It was a feeding trough that would have been for horses or animals. And the, the cushion there was hay. My son, as he came into the birthplace of where Alina Rose was born, you can just imagine the fear and the amazement on his face. As he walked into that hospital room, he almost didn't want to go in, but he knew Mama was in there. So he brought her some flowers and he brought her... Uh, some some uh, uh, a balloon for for the baby, and so he wanted to go in there. And in there, he saw the bed. You know, the, the very technically advanced bed, and and everything else that was there. And and there was instant fear, wonder, and amazement in his eyes. But the bed of our Savior was not amazing. There was no. I, I can I can just imagine Joseph looking around, not really knowing what to do, not. Not ever experiencing, uh, you know, a woman giving birth unless his, he had been a part of his mother's uh, giving birth to siblings. But here he's, he's looking around for what to do and being a carpenter, he's wondering, hey, can I put something together? And he finds a feeding trough and they use that as, as the bed. And he, he, he says, uh, I, I don't want, want him laying on that cold, hard wood. And, and so he puts a little bit of hay down. And in great humility, a humiliating sight, Jesus Christ comes into this world on a bed of hay in, in, a, in a feeding trough. And this, this, is, this is the king of kings. This is not just any baby. This is, this is a, the king of kings coming and being born as the lowest of the low. Amidst as, as my, my son calls it, the yucky stable and the, and the stinky animals. This was God's greatest gift to us, Jesus. 
Not only was his bed a feeding trough, but his surroundings coming into the world, the, the surroundings were indeed that of humility, not of a king. When Christ came, he came in perfect humiliation. He came, imagine for a second, we, we have to stop and think about this to really, to really grasp it. He came as a helpless baby. Baby, He was wrapped in swaddling clothes, little strips of, of cloth that were to keep him warm uh, that night. And, and he allowed himself to be one that would be needing to be dependent on a mother and a father. Imagine that. The king of kings who has all power, the one true God, submitting himself to be a helpless babe that would one day redeem us all. What a sight. What a wonder that must have been for those two parents. And as Mary looked down at her miracle child, Jesus, she knew that God had just become flesh for, for us to save his people from their sins. What a wonder that must have been to look into his eyes, both Mary and Joseph, as, as they looked into the face of what truly was the Son of God. That's, can you put yourself in their shoes? Looking into the eyes of your Creator? Looking into the eyes of, of Jesus, the one true God? What a sight that must have been. And, and it says later on that Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. She knew what it was. For the, for the Son of God, he became a helpless baby. He truly made himself of no reputation, as Philippians 2 was quoted just moments ago, verses 7 and 8. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And I know the verse goes on, but that's what I want to focus on. He truly humbled himself, not just as a baby, but then later on in, in his service to, to, to mankind and to his disciples, showing them how to be servants as well. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He allowed himself to be bound. He allowed himself to be a baby. And later on in life, allowed himself to be nailed to a cross, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, so that we could have a way of salvation, Jesus Christ promised. And that promise rang true when God gave us the greatest gift of all in the babe in the manger, Jesus Christ. Thirdly, this morning, focus on the, the birth of the Savior, the bed of the Savior, and now a decision to believe on the Savior. When, when Luke chapter 2, verse 7 begins, we, we see this glorious birth, this glorious message of Christ coming, and now the Savior is here. They laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. Whether that was them coming to town and all of the rooms being filled up because of the census, or them being turned away because of their social status and being looked at as those who should not even be deserving of a room. Whatever it was, there was no room 
for the king of kings. And that, that statement is true of many. No room for the king of kings has been and will continue to be the, the decision that many make. And a mistake of a decision it is. Little did they know in that, that, that inn in Bethlehem, little did they know and imagine who they were turning away when they turned away the king of kings. They didn't realize it. But today, sadly in ignorance, many turn away the king of kings and know full well the alternative. Separation from God in a place called hell. That is the only, the only alternative just recently, I came across a news article of, of a huge TikTok influencer who was telling all of, of the Christians in her life who had been trying to tell her about Jesus and telling her that she was on her way to hell. She said, leave me alone. All of you Christians need to stop telling me that I'm going to hell. Let me go to hell. Let, let me and my friends go to hell. Stop talking to me. There is people today, there are people today that are not ignorant of the alternative. They are making a decision to turn away the king of kings. And my friends, that will lead them to eternal damnation, away from, away from God. That's not what God wanted. That's not what God wanted when he brought his, his son into the world to save sinners. He wanted us to unwrap the gift. He wanted us to unwrap God's gift, the needed decision of every single person. Jesus, that babe in the manger, was God's gift to mankind. This gift was given out of extreme love. John three sixteen tells us that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever shall, uh, shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ gave it out of extreme love. Man could not earn his love. Man could not buy his love. It was Jesus Christ who freely gave his love to us. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were enemies of God, and God's extreme love showed in his gift to us. The gift was given out of extreme love, and the gift is only truly a gift if it's free. Your giving of a gift this Christmas season is only a gift if it's free to that other person. If you tell them, here, here is a $20 gift card, now pay me 20 bucks. That's not a free gift, okay? And then you're, that's just you trying to get cash for a gift card, all right? You, when you give a gift, the very definition of a gift is a thing given willingly to someone without payment. A thing given willingly to someone without payment. You don't do anything for it. Otherwise, it ceases to be a gift. God understood that when he gave us his son. Many people do not understand that today when they try to be good enough or they hope that they will be able to do good enough. To get to heaven, they're not understanding, truly understanding what it is to have a gift. I think that's one of the greatest things, as I mentioned at the beginning of, of this morning's sermon, the greatest things about giving gifts is that every single year, God gives people in this world a reminder of what truly a gift is. 
As I, I love celebrating Christmas because of that. I love giving gifts because of that. Every single person you come into contact with, every, every unsaved person that you're able to give a gift, you are giving them a picture of what Jesus Christ has done for them. They don't have to pay for it. They don't have to buy it. And God in this community can, can wake people up to that light, to that realization this coming Christmas season. A gift is only truly a gift if it's free. A gift becomes yours when it's taken. A gift only becomes yours when it's taken. Have you ever been to someone's house during the summer and saw Christmas gifts still unwrapped under their Christmas tree? No, that would be silly, wouldn't it? Summertime, uh, you still haven't unwrapped that Christmas gift I gave you? No. However, today, that hope... uh, there are, there are people that do the same exact thing. They wait. They know what... Many of, many of those people know even what they need to do. They know that God's gift is right there. They know that all they need to do is depend on Him. But they leave God's gift unwrapped instead of by faith, accepting that God Himself paid for it, and all they need to do is receive it. That's how simple it is. And I ask you this morning, have you accepted God's gift? I believe most people in here have, if not all. All people have, uh, have accepted that free gift. But there's people in your life that haven't. There's people that you come into contact who are still depending on something else to get them to heaven rather than God's free gift. Let me ask you this as a believer. Do you stand in fresh amazement? of God's gift at Christmas time. Many times the reason we don't tell it is because of fear. Maybe we we're not sure about how to share God's gift. But isn't it that when you have a fresh amazement of something that's been given to you, isn't that when it's the easiest to talk about it? I mean, think about it. What is the greatest gift physically, maybe material possession that you've gotten in the last five years? Weren't you quick to talk about it? Oh, man, you can't understand. My sister got me this, or my, my mother and father got me this. This is so neat. It's, it's, it's brought joy you know, to, to me and the kids or, or whatnot. It's easy to talk about something that you stand in amazement of. And oftentimes we can, as believers, allow what is familiar to become stale. And we should never do that. We should allow the babe in the manger to remain in our life the greatest gift that God has ever given to us. I pray that we will never lose the wonder of it all, that we would have that fresh amazement, that we could simply, it would come out of us naturally, that God's love would flow out of us because of his love to us. That babe in a manger, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray.